Hello and welcome to the Spirit Guide Society podcast. My name is Pedro Shanahan and I'm your spirit guide. Tonight in the Whiskey Society at Seven Grand, we had Woodenville Whiskey in the house with Mr. Anthony Storwick, repping the brand from Washington State. We tried their 90 proof bourbon, their 100% rye, also coming in at 90 proof, their 86 proof American blended whiskey, a crazy category that you should know more about, then their cast strength 100% rye, their bourbon finished in port, port casts. Is, is that everything we did? Oh my god. That was, that was it. it. That was Whoa! Yeah. See why I can't remember? You'll have to listen to the podcast and find out. Be sure to enjoy this podcast responsibly. That means don't get wasted on Woodenville and start telling people you're moving to Washington. You, you live in California. It's okay. It wouldn't be the worst. The air is clean. The air is very clean. Cheers. Oh, yeah. 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 It's the happy whiskey clap. All right. Yes, yeah, it's a nice intimate group tonight. This is going to be great. How's everybody doing? Good. Welcome, welcome to the Whiskey Society. Tonight we are uh, privileged to be able to enjoy some craft distilled bourbon and rye from the great state of Washington. I'm from the Pacific Northwest myself, so I've got a soft spot for you guys. I've got a soft spot for whiskey in general. Some people consider it a problem. <laughs> We're okay. Yes. We're in. It's a supportive community. Of enablers. Oh! Yeah. Why does it have to be like that? We're encouragers. We all, we're encouragers. Just trying to get a good education, you know? So, but we do have Anthony Storwick in the house tonight from uh, Woodenville Whiskey of Washington. Yes. So welcome, Anthony. So give us a little background on the on the brand, because you guys, this is your first time in the Whiskey Society. Yes. How long have you been down here in Southern California? Just since February. But you guys have been making whiskey since 2010? That's right. Okay. So 2010. Yeah, give us a background of uh, where, how you guys got started. Yeah, uh, so for a little bit more background, so 2008 was the first year in Washington State that you could get a permit to build a distillery, like legally distill alcohol since Prohibition. So. Our founders, uh, Orlin Sorensen and Brett Carlisle, they're just like, it's a really simple story, just a couple best friends since like high school. You know, like who they hunt together and they camp and they, uh, Brett was, uh, he sold materials for construction and Orlin was a pilot. And um, anyway, 2008 rolled around and they were whiskey aficionados themselves and they're like, we want to make a whiskey, we want to make a Washington whiskey. Um, so that's what they did and it took them a lot of, you know, not just trial and, error, trial and error, but like time. And they went to 14 banks before they got a loan to, like the 14th bank finally said yes to say, okay, yeah, we're gonna give you money to build a distillery. Um, but uh, it, it just, it started there. And their whole thing was we wanna make our own juice from day one and release our own juice from day one. Um, and that was their whole thing and it's become what it is now. Where is Woodenville in, in the state of Washington? Woodenville is about 25 miles northeast of Seattle. Okay. Yeah, so it's in western Washington, and it's not that far, so if anybody makes a trip to Seattle, we're not very far away. You guys do distillery tours? Oh, yes. Yeah, on the weekends. So tours are done on the weekends, Friday to Sunday. Um, but we do have a tasting room that is open every day of the week. And what kind of stills do you guys have? Uh, do you have different stills from when you first began? Um, no, actually. So part of their getting set up and everything was they were 
So they found their cooperage, right? There wasn't a cooperage in Washington, and there wasn't enough like of an Quercus Alba supply in Washington for them to use a cooperage in Washington. So they ended up going to ISC in Missouri. Mm -hmm. So that's the only thing about our whiskey that is not Washington State is the barrels to come from Missouri. But they, through them, they were like, at the time, so they got that contract, and they go, hey, we also kind of need somebody to teach us how to make whiskey. Um, they had read books and everything, and they quickly figured out that they were in over their heads. So uh, ISC put them in contact with Dave Piccaro. Oh, wow. So Dave, uh, after much uh, consideration and uh, convincing um, in kind of a creepy stalkerish kind of a way, he eventually agreed to uh, come and help them get going and specifically show them what not to do and what to do. But so um, part of that was um, where I lost the question. No. no. <laughs> well, the, the question was, is like, did you guys have different stills now than when you first started? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes so I'm like, yeah, like, oh my god. So we start reaching back into about the... Dave Piccarell. I get yes, it. I yeah, get yeah, it. Yeah. Dave's a great guy. So anyway, so Dave was in peace, dude. instrumental, absolutely, um, instrumental in uh, helping them decide what they're going to get. So they decided on a Thank pot you. still, so a copper pot still, and they've had that one since the inception. So it's the same pot still they got from um, from Kota in Germany. And are these, the whiskey we're having now, so you guys are getting your barrels from the Independent Stave Company in Missouri. They yes. also have the Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky plant as well. Right. Uh, so these are full size 53 gallon barrels? Yes, they are. So when we started, we started with eight gallon micro barrels, they called them, mm -hmm. for the, and those matured in two years. So in 2012 was when we first released whiskey. But um, it was little tiny barrels. From little tiny barrels. Two year old. That's right. Um, so through that first year where they were getting money back from selling White Dog and Age Your Own Whiskey Kits and, and other things, they started putting that money down on that, from that, to get these barrels from ISC. So they started collecting 53 gallon barrels at that time. So you guys were doing Age Your Own Whiskey Kits with like little pieces of wood? Little one, little, well, little so like little jugs. one liter barrels with a little spigot on there and you let it age for three or four weeks or something in your house. And That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's very, just, very it, Northwesty. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm it from was, Oregon. It was like, yeah, it was just <laughs> like that. It was like, it's a mini house. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was a massively, massively popular move, um, and it helped keep the lights on for the first couple of years. But so 2011, they laid down the first uh, whiskey in the 53-gallon barrels. So 2016 was the first year that our, because it's five years old, so the first year that our full-on, you know, bourbon was ready to go. Cool. Yeah. And so this is stuff coming out of 53 gallon barrels. Yes. What is this first whiskey that we're tasting tonight? So this is our one of our two flagships, the 90 proof bourbon. Uh, it is aged from five to six years. There is not an age statement on the bottle, but we typically it's like at five years. And what, we do. what uh, number char are you using in those barrels from Missouri? So it's a number four. Okay. Out of there, and they we also do a, a toasting, a toasting of the barrel in the interior. The heads are toasted specifically, not charred. Interesting. So yeah. it brings more of those sugars to the surface of the wood there. So potentially a sweeter barrel. Mm -hmm. uh, and what's the mash bill? Mash bill is 72% corn, 22% rye, so high rye, and then 6% barley. All right. So stick your nose in that glass, breathing gently through your mouth. What are you reminded of as you smell this Woodenville whiskey, the bourbon, the 90 proofer? Stephanie. Sawdust and tobacco. I get that sawdust for sure. What else? What are you guys getting? Caramel. Caramel. Yes, for sure, for sure. Ever? Getting honey and banana. Honey and banana is nice. I'm getting some nuttiness in here too, like toasted pecan. It's really nice. So now tap some over your tongue. How does that experience change? 
And I get it. It's, it's got like a very, very woody taste to it, but like it really softens across the palate. It's really nice. Mm. Mm, how much is this going to run me in my local liquor if I was going to get a bottle of the wooden pill? 35 to 40. 35 to 40. 35 to 40, yeah. And what's your output going to be this year? How, many, how much bourbon can you put out? So this year we're going to put out 24,000 cases, 12 bottle cases of whiskey. That's bourbon and rye together. And we produce three times as much <clears throat> excuse me, bourbon as we do rye. Okay. So three quarters of 24,000, 18,000 <laughs> boxes. Uh, and have you guys had, I mean, Dave Pickerel was the master of rye. That's yeah. one of the things, there's so many brilliant ryes on the market that have the mark of Dave Pickerel yeah. on them for sure. Yeah. He's kind of the guy who showed all the craft distillers how to deal with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how has your experience been with it? Have you guys had a hard time dealing with the rye, like foaming vats and all that? <laughs> uh, yeah, so they've gotten pretty good about avoiding those situations. Um, so they've been making 100% rye since the start. And, uh, and incidentally, that'll be the next thing that we taste is the 100% rye um, that we make only during the summer. But they sent me a video when I very first started. So I started in February when it was released here. That's also when I started. Um, I live here in LA, but I'm from Puyallup, Washington originally. So. Um, they sent me a video of like literally a couple nights before I came in, um, the vat was, and this was the bourbon, it wasn't the rye mash, but it was overflowing out through yeah. the top. And they sent me a video of like literally, it's like your worst nightmare, the dishwasher's overflowing with soap and everything. Uh, so it was, they were there for hours throughout the night to clean all of that mess up. But they've gotten very good at managing the foaminess of mm -hmm. the rye. Um, they trade out some of the machinery like augers and things to when they make that um, mash during the summer so that they don't warp any of the machinery and stuff. Mm -hmm. And how old was that first, the bourbon that we tasted, was two years old? So this was oh, five. five, yeah. Oh, the wow, very okay. first that we made was those barrels, small barrels matured into. And do you think that's where the flavor profile is going to live? Or as you're able to sell little six-year-old and seven-year-old batches, are you going to use older stocks in your bourbon, you think? I think they like where this is hitting from five to six years. I think this is their profile that they were going for. That's awesome. Thank you, my yeah. dear. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, so this is the 100% rye. Now, it's my understanding that rye, if you use 100% rye, then you're gonna have to add some enzymes in there, right? Yes, they do. So what do you guys use? How do you make it, how do you make it ferment? Is it a, a specific kind of enzyme that you guys are using to help digest it? Or? Not like a very specific proprietary kind of a thing. Uh, it's an organic enzyme uh, that they buy. They didn't want to really, like, really do anything too crazy or special, so you could say, or you could say, you, I will say the same for um, the yeast that we use is also just like a standard distiller's yeast. Um, but so yeah, there's enzymes, there's nothing like really specific about them. They just use that to get it going. And how big are your, your batches like when you guys, uh, you know, how much do you, how many gallons are in your fermentation that you then put in the still? How big is your still? So our still is 32, 32.50 gallons. Uh, and then our mash tun and our fermenters are all 4,000 gallons. And it's a big old copper pot still. Yep, big copper pot still connected to a, uh, we have a column still um, rectifier with 18, sorry, 16 plates in it. So kind of a hybrid, a little hybrid yeah, operation. a little hybrid thing, yeah. And so it is still, it is because of the pot still a batch distillation. So they get, just on the one run, they get their 140 proof that we oh, distill at. Yeah. So now we have the 100% rye. So stick your nose in that glass. What do you guys get? Woodenville rye. Strawberries and green grapes, nice. Oh, this one's really woody too. This one's more woody than the bourbon, I think. Mm. 
spicy though too. It could be like the spice from the rye kind of mingling with the spice from the barrel. What are you guys getting? Yeah, tap some over your tongue. What's your experience? Nutmeg. Yeah, yeah, it smells really spicy to me. I get those those berries though for sure, the strawberries. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Some kind of a lot of baking spice. Four days. Uh, into the barrels, we barrel at 110. So we distill at 140 and we barrel at 110. Well, that's really nice. Chocolatey. Damn good. Really, really great texture for sure. Ever, what are you getting? 90 proof. 90 as well, and the, the similar to the bourbon, the barrels are five to six years as well, but usually around five years is closer to five years. Yeah, it feels really, it's got a great texture for sure. Really cool. I love the old, they like old medicine bottles here. What, <laughs> yeah. was, the, what was the inspiration for the packaging? Um, they liked the square bottle because um, it you literally, it's the boxes that you put it into, it, it just kind of, in, in a Tetris yeah. kind of a way, it makes, <laughs> it makes sense from a cost of shipping standpoint. Um, but they also wanted it to be distinctive on the shelf. They wanted the, because you look at most bourbon barrels and they're round and so they wanted to kind of separate themselves a bit. I don't know if their idea was to associate themselves with Orphan Barrel or Few or things like that, um, but they did specifically have these made and you can see the, the uh, embossing of all of our stuff and everything. So even if the labels are taken off and you use it as a water uh, bottle, yeah, yeah carafe yeah, or something, cool. you can still tell it's Woodenville whiskey. Right on. So Stephanie's coming around with the third mark for you all, and yes. this is going to be the blended whiskey, right? Yeah, and I'll say something too here about the first two whiskeys that everybody has tasted. So those two, the bourbon and the rye, those are the only ones available in California. So everything else that you're tasting, these next three whiskeys, you cannot get these in California. Um, they're not in stores. Really, I'm not like supposed to be showing them to people. <laughs> because, I, because I'm not supposed to be making it seem like, oh, where can I get that? You know, so I'm specifically saying you cannot get this in California. <laughs> I am treating you to some marks that are available in Washington only, and most of which are actually, as a matter of fact, distillery only. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> right on, so yeah. American blended whiskey, that's a pretty, uh, you can do a lot of things. You can do so many definition. things, yeah. Yes. Explain, uh, is that allow you guys to just put, I mean, what is your take on the blended whiskey? So, so, You'll, you all have your tasting experiences of it, and so I don't intend on telling you anything about what you're about to experience. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I don't intend, intend on telling you, anything, any, telling you anything about what you're going to experience. What this is, is this is our bourbon mash, double distilled, which we don't normally do. It's just a one distillation process, so double distilled, and then single distillation bourbon is put in. It is aged in a new oak barrel, and then it is aged secondly in a used bourbon barrel. It is a weird process. <laughs> are they your, what are the used bourbon barrels coming from? The from us, it's our, it's our, it's our ex-bourbon barrels, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so that, that once distilled is, you're blending whiskey essentially. Yes. It's something very high proof. What is it, it coming off the it, it does come out at a higher proof. So it's 140 proof still is the proof that we, they do it at. But they, when they double distill, they're stripping out more of those, obviously the flavors and everything from the grain. But so they, I, can't. I, I would be a better ambassador if I could tell you why they made that choice, why this complicated <laughs> way of doing it, but uh, it's just what they chose to do because they found that uh, 
as much as they love their 90 proof bourbon and 90 proof rye. Not everybody wants to come in at 90 proof. Not everybody likes the intensity of the five-year-old bourbon. So to to double distill, blend in some of the normal stuff, and then double age as well, um, it just gives it a softer profile. So what do you guys think? Stick your nose in that glass, breathe in gently through your mouth, share some food words. What are you guys reminded of? Cinnamon? Oh yeah, I'm getting like maple and, and a little, there's even like a chili. I get like maple syrup, I, maybe with a little red chili in there. When I first noticed it, 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 it almost smelled savory to me, but now it's getting a little bit more sweet. Mm. Yeah, it's like, a, like the base for any dough. Yeah, that is savory <laughs> yeah. scent too. The more I smell it, it's not good working. Reminds me of like the lumber department at Home Depot. <laughs> ah, the, the lumber department at Home Depot. Is it, you're just wandering around. <laughs> <laughs> People are like, oh, there's this guy on aisle seven. <laughs> Don't worry, he comes in all the time. He's just enjoying himself. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Petting he the lumber. He never buys any wood. That's right. It's your happy place. Yeah, I was almost getting like a beef jerky thing right at the beginning, like, but it just—it's there every every once in a while. It's like it, it, it pops its little head out. Ooh, that's good. I like that one. Yeah, that's an easy sipper. Yeah. yeah, right. Like, so taking note of like that lower proof, how dramatic that is. That's only four proof points. But for me, it, it's very different on the palate, you know? It strikes you so much easier than the 90 proof, and the 90 proof's easy sipping for me too, but this is just like really... Real soft and smooth. So nice. Yeah. Yeah, right? Sweet, it's good. Easy sipper. To me, it's, it's, it, it's, it, it's fading into deeper kind of woodier notes for me right now, but I get um, like cinnamon rolls on it is what I... I, I smell mm. the sugar, and I smell the butter, yeah, and yeah, I, I smell the cinnamon, the cinnamon that that gentleman mentioned, and yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm. How much does this bottle retail for in Washington? <laughs> <laughs> well, so that's where you're about to be um, even more disappointed. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, so here, where we get to buy these whiskeys for thirty-five to forty bucks, up there it costs fifty to fifty-five. Um, be, so, five, six years ago, think six years ago, Washington voted to become not a control state anymore. So where it used to be that um, you had to go to a state-run liquor store, they were all state-run, there were no independent liquor stores. Um, they all closed at 9 p.m., they were not open on Sundays. Washington voted to make it so there could be independent liquor stores and you could buy your spirits at a grocery store and all that kind of a thing. Um, the trade-off was they had to increase um, the sales tax on it, and but they also had to add, and when I say had to, I mean, the, uh, a lot of the money that came from spirits sales was going uh, into the schools and other community projects. So when they lost that money, um, they said, okay, fine, we're gonna do that, but then we're gonna slap a higher sales tax and we're gonna have to add this sin tax, it's called a sin tax on it. So literally, so you, so for example, you go to Costco, you buy like a Kirkland Signature Vodka that's like $14 here, right? Like a handle of it, it's like 14 bucks. Up there, you get a 20 and a half percent sales tax, and there's also a syntax of $3.50 per liter of the size of the thing that you're buying. So your $14 vodka Kirkland signature ends up being like $24 out the door. So it's cheaper to go to a bar. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's well, because they, they got I mean, really they, good schools though, yeah. okay? Yeah. Really, really good schools. The kids are well educated more. Yeah. Yeah. The bar did have to buy it first. <laughs> so you are going to incur some of that cost. Uh, but no, yeah, so 50 to 55 is what these go for. Thank you so much.
So this one is my favorite one that we're I'm excited for it. Yeah. You want to tell them what it is? I didn't. I was going to follow the lead and see what maybe the game was going to be. So what do you guys think this is? Okay, so we tasted some bourbon. We tasted some rye. We tasted some blended whiskey. You know, they're not making a crazy amount of different styles. Which one is this? What's this whiskey? Cinnamon? You getting the cinnamon again? Sherry cask? Hmm. What do you guys think? Ever, what kind of whiskey is this? Is it bourbon? Is it rye? Is it a blend? I was going to say single malt just for the variety. It's a single malt? What do you guys think this is? Is this a bourbon or a rye? Cast strength something. Cast strength something. Right? I think it smells like a bourbon. Right? I already saw it, so I can't <laughs> Stephanie's all like, yes. I know what it is. <laughs> what is it, Stephanie? Uh, it's a bourbon. It's a pork cast finish. Oh, nice, John. You called you called port? Oh wow. <laughs> ah yes. He said bourbon finished in a yeah funky port by wine. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I think that's damn good, yeah. <laughs> so when I was young, I thought that fortified wines meant that they had vitamins in them. <laughs> <laughs> that's how my alcoholic brain is like I can, I can live off of Mad Dog alone <laughs> I'm serious I thought it had vitamins I didn't realize it was just stronger wine probiotics <laughs> probiotics like, it's, a, it's a health food drink <laughs> I'm just I'm just working out drinking a bottle of sherry <laughs> that's right when I was in uh, my first day of kindergarten, they were touring us the little, showing us the important areas of school and said, this is the restroom. And that was a word I'd never heard in my life. And I thought it was a room with beds. <laughs> you can sleep in there. Yeah, I guess you can. Yeah, yeah. People sleep in ours all the time. <laughs> Sometimes they're not just sleeping, I suppose. Yeah, I wasn't trying to be that kindergartner. <laughs> if you get a little nap mat. <laughs> um, so, so one thing about these special releases, so the double barrel we do make a good amount of, um, but the port cask and then other experiments that we do in the distillery, we don't make very much of. So this uh, represents uh, one bottle out of 10 barrels worth only. Um, so in a batch of our bourbon, so when we bottle our bourbon, we do batches of 20 barrels. So the entirety of the port cask finish that we did was 10 barrels only. Um, it was a combination of two different wineries in Washington that make a port-style fortified, <laughs> nutritious wine. Um, <laughs> so the port is made in. It is made in, in Washington. Washington. Yeah. Do the barrels can be wet. Is there any actual like? Um, they can't. Not like wet, wet. No. Uh, they just they empty them out as much as they can, and then and then we take them. Yeah. And so it's a a, a varietal of grape traditionally used in making ports. Yes. But made in. Washington. But made in. But Washington. made in Washington. That's right. Do you know what the kind of grape that is? I have it written down somewhere. I, I do too. Yeah. <laughs> my notebooks are massive, but it doesn't help us right now. I'm getting like a, on the taste, like the, the aftertaste reminds me of sunflower seeds. Oh, wow. Like on the finish, it's really weird. She's good. She's really good. If I only had a brain. 
Yeah, that's nice. How much is that gonna run us? But we can't get it, not that we can't get it down here. <laughs> you yeah. only get it at the distillery. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome to put it in your carry-on. Uh, I think this one retails for, for $69.99. Wow. That's what it is. It's got a great here. finish, yeah. really fruity, like cherry syrup yeah. on the finish. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Um, and so again, when I say retails, there's only two um, liquor stores in Seattle that have it. Everything else is either off-premise or distillery. Yeah. Beautiful. So Stephanie's going to come around with another mark. Do we have enough glass to make it yeah, around the room? We totally do. Beautiful. We've got five marks tonight. We're working hard. <laughs> it's, I, I thought five was the number, so I brought five. We're not. No one's complaining. <laughs> no, no one complained. I was just, I was just making, yeah, I was, it's, I was counting. I'm, I'm using the tools I have. <laughs> uh, okay, so what's this? This is another one of the 100% rye. Yes. But we're coming in hot. We're I'm coming saying, in right? hot. This is where we're going to top out our flight. So Stephanie's coming around with this fifth mark. This is a cast strength, 100% rye whiskey. So I was alluding earlier to talking about how like, when you use something like, a, when a mash bill doesn't have malted barley in it, the whole thing about the malted barley, the malted aspect is those live enzymes you get from the grains. So when you use 100% rye, unless you're using sprouted rye, which even those enzymes, I don't know how well, they're going to ferment because it's a more acidic right. grass, right. you know? Right, um, which we do not. It's all unmalted. So they add these organic enzymes to help with the fermentation. It kind of cracks open the flavor of the grass, gives it more complexity and more variance, right? And yeah, well, so they break down the, the starches into simple sugars so that the yeast can Then ferment. the yeast can get at those fermentable sugars and do what they do so well, make a nice distiller's beer. From Woodenville, bottled at cast strength, which, which, what does it say on there? 123.18. Woo! 123, not for beginners, all right. Yeah, so stick your nose in that glass. This should be really good to get flavor notes. Uh, higher alcohol content, for me, often is, makes it easier to smell the different essences in the whiskey. What are you guys getting? Oh, it's hot, and it's like chili and chocolate, you know? It's very much just like red chili and, and yeah. dark chocolate, like, like yeah. It's earthy, but hot, hot, baby, hot. And this is all just used, uh, used bourbon casks? No, these are virgin casks. Okay, virgin casks. Yeah. Okay. So now tap some over your tongue. How does that experience change? Does your nose lead you in one direction and your tongue tell you something else? Oh yeah, that cherry comes through a lot more on the tongue. It's really, really fruity. Yeah, for me, the nose is way more earthy. And then it gets really fruity and floral on the finish. It's really nice, like bubble gum and cherry pie. Cherry, cherry pie. That's brilliant. Wow, that is damn good whiskey right there. Mm-hmm. Anise. Anise. Anise and chili. Oh, that chocolatey. It's like milk chocolate and cinnamon. Mm. I want a bowl of chicken. Making me happy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we got that whiskey side nailed down at least. We'll work on the food next. Um, important thing about the, the grain, and I probably should have addressed this when you were asking me about the uh, kind of the mission and the story of the uh, distillery and everything, but all of our grain comes from one farm that we're partnered with over in eastern Washington, in Quincy, Washington. Um, the Omlin family has this farm. They grow grain and, and other things. Mostly they grow grain now because we partnered with them um, years ago. But uh, 
you'll you'll love this because I love this, um, and everybody loves what I love. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because I'm egocentric like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, in the current administration, I'd be great. I think. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You're gonna like what I like. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm the one in power. Um, <laughs> no, but so the so the Omlin family, um, their farm was so this is a handful of years ago, but their farm was uh, going under. They were not doing well, and so um, their son, Joel, so Arnie and Phyllis are the the third gen or Arnie, I should say, is the third generation. It's his through his lineage, but he and his wife Phyllis uh, operate the farm now, and they have a son, Joel, who's in his late twenties. And um, Joel was going to become the fourth generation farmer, but the farm was not doing well, and so they said you you got to go learn something else because by the time you'll be in charge, we're not going to be here anymore. So um, he went to go into nursing. Um, at that point, Orlin and Brett came along. They, and I you know, forget exactly how they got in contact with this particular family. But um, they said, we want you to grow uh, all of our non-GMO corn and rye for us. Um, to Arnie, that was a weird thing, because in Washington, they don't like growing rye. Rye is, of course, very hardy, and it'll take over fields, and they consider it a weed. It's a nuisance grain yeah. in the Northwest. It, it grows on rooftops. It's like you can't, you can't stop it. Yeah, he was very resistant to the idea. But so he, um, he said two things. He said, are you serious? Um, and they said yes. And he said, OK, well, I want money up front. Uh, and they gave it to him. And so they, they grow it all. But so through this partnership then of us getting all our grain from them. And matter of fact, our barrels aged on their farm as well, because out, cool. out in Quincy, their climate is uh, almost identical, like fairly, like a little bit larger variations and lower humidity, but almost identical to Lexington, Kentucky. Oh, wow. So in Woodenville, which is near Seattle, the climate sucks for aging whiskey. Um, so we don't do it there. But so we have three warehouses. We're building a fourth on the farm where the, the barrels age. And it's, they're single story. They're all single story warehouses. So you're transporting these barrels every single time that's not on the facility? It is incredibly inefficient. Yeah. Yeah. I, to, 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 so to, to put it in perspective, uh, the, 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 the omelets, they grow the grain. The grain gets trucked over the mountains to our distillery in, in giant bags. We mill it, uh, mash it, ferment it, distill it, uh, barrel it. Barrels go back over the mountain to Quincy. So mind you, this is like a two and a half hour drive, probably three hours in the truck. Um, but so three hours to get over the mountains back into Quincy, put the barrels down for five years. Barrels come back to the distillery for bottling and packaging. Um, so what they are going to change that. They're going to put a bottling facility on the farm once we get to that point um, so that it doesn't have to keep going back and forth, back and forth. Uh, but that's the current process. But so it has effectively, and there was a whole Seattle Times like article about this, how it brought the farm back to life. Um, cool. Yeah, but that's that's where we get all our stuff from. Yeah. How tall are you guys' rickhouses? Are you talking eight stories like in Kentucky? Single story. Single story rickhouses. So more like Dunnage style, like yeah. traditional to Ireland or, or Scotland. Yeah. Are the barrels um, laid vertically or horizontally? And specifically the ones with the toasted heads? They are laid horizontally. Yeah, all of them are laid horizontally. Um, the only ones that are not are, are when they're sitting waiting to be moved. When we ship them, they ship vertically. And then when they, and then they get over the mountains and they roll them in and, and all that. Yeah. What's the significance of the vertical and horizontal? Uh, well, it's, it's just a, like a different way of doing things. Do you like to, to age your barrel standing up, or do you like to age it on its side? Um, and there's different schools of thought. I think most of them, most people like to age their whiskeys on the side, if I'm not incorrect. It depends. It depends on what they're trying to get from the barrel. So here in America, we, we tend to keep them on the sides because some distilleries uh, would sometimes rotate the location of their barrels for consistency. So 
for that reason, you want just the ease of having it on a side. It makes it so one person working in the rack house can handle that single barrel by themselves. Um, but I've been to you know the Jameson Distillery in Dublin, which is just massive, huge, huge, and they're not relying upon that first charred oak use of the barrel as much. It's not as barrel heavy of a style of whiskey. And so they just have them sitting on their ends. They put them on pallets, just on their butts. So they're like, that's what the way they, they're not worried about rotating. They're in a temperature controlled warehouse there. They're not trying to sweat the barrels in the way that is very much like kind of the tradition of bourbon or rye of that heavy, heavy barrel presence on the whiskey. So it just depends on what you're trying to get from the barrel. And it's, it's a liquid industry, so barrels leak, barrels shift, you know, they're organic materials. So they have, they're very sensitive to the environment. They change a lot in the course of a year, depending on how dry it is. They're always kind of, you've got to keep an eye on your barrels because that's your profit that's leaking out on the ground. You might not notice a big leak and then you go pick up a barrel and it's got like, 20 bottles in it instead of 200. That's that's a bummer. Yeah. Yes. Very valuable. Yeah. Uh, in the just and so in our distillery and I'm sure in most others, uh, they we have the tools to um, plug those leaks. They have, they have different shaped softwood plugs that they can literally hammer into problem spots that they see. So those inspections happen before they leave our distillery. But of course that stuff can happen over time as well while it's sitting in the rickhouse. So. But in terms of environmental concerns, that's what I would think the whiskey world needs to be more conscious of. Not whether the grass will grow, but what about the trees for the barrels? Because if you're using a first use charred oak barrel, like in the bourbon world, that's it can be a 90 year old tree that they're using to make barrels out of. And they're already harvesting further and further north. They've already exhausted some of the traditional stands of white oak from the Ozarks region, which is where yeah. Independence Dave in Missouri, mm -hmm. but now they're harvesting further north, like up in Minnesota, and the wood tastes different. So the whiskey's gonna taste different because those colder climes, you think of a tree, it, its bark essentially is a, a form of defense against the environment. And so if it's colder weather, the bark's gonna have a different density and a different, the wood itself is gonna be changed by the weather, whereas if it's in mild temperature and it's hot, when the tree has to defend itself against against heat as opposed to cold, those are different tannins, different kind of blood structure of the tree, so to speak. Um, and that's gonna affect the flavor of your whiskey. So we may see flavor profiles start to change just because availability of wood might shift. Just something to think about. You can make a, a barrel out of any kind of wood you want. You can make a barrel out of pine and char it. Have you ever been to a baseball game and seen the pine tar that those guys are using on the bats? That's what your whiskey is going to taste like if you make it out of pine because it, uh, the American white oak is such a dry hardwood, it doesn't have much sap. Like you break a branch off of a lot of trees and it'll bleed sap. You break a branch off of a, a white oak, it doesn't bleed sap. It's a very dry, flexible hardwood, which is why it's so good for making barrels, but also imparts very sweet flavor notes. So there is a lot of different woods out there, but not many of them are gonna taste as good as the American white oak. Even the Europeans buy used bourbon casks all through Ireland and Scotland and India and Japan. All those whiskey companies are buying American white oak. They even sherry barrels that they use in, in you know, cognacs. They're, they'll use a little bit of French oak or a little bit of Spanish oak, but those tend to be much more tannic woods and they'll 
spend the majority of the flavor profile will probably come from a used American white oak cask as opposed to those European oaks, which have a much darker flavor profile, kind of can be over oaked very quickly. Right yeah. on. Ooh, I just talked a lot. <laughs> you, you got there. <laughs> I need a drink, right? <laughs> Working hard. Well, does anyone else have any uh, questions for Anthony about the Woodenville whiskey out of Washington? <laughs> oh, will the, the last three we had ever be uh, sold in California, you think? Or? God willing, yes. <laughs> um, I, I don't have an answer to that, however. Uh, the nearest thing was that there might and I say might, be the possibility of there being a few cases or bottles of the port cask whiskey to go around. It is unlikely it would show up in a uh, liquor store. That's supposed to be at like the end of the year kind of a thing for like a, for, I guess you would say for like our best performing partners kind of a thing, like or we're gonna give a little bit of that. Because like I said, it was just 10 barrels worth of whiskey, so we didn't have a lot. And it is pretty much distillery only with the exception of only a couple places in Washington, so but it's, on, it's not on the front bar here. What, what do we have of your stuff here at Seven You do Grand? have the bourbon, the 90-proof bourbon and the 90-proof rye. Okay. So yes. The first two you can get here at Seven Yes, Grand. the first two you can get, yes. You did say you live in L.A., though. I do. Yes. So are you getting your We can get them here right now. If I had a gold star. <laughs> If I had, I will bring gold stars with me from now on because that was great. That was insidious. That was dark. Yeah. <laughs> they're takes they're a, nice people. That takes a, I well, they all do seem to be. He's got a twisted mind. That one. <laughs> just, it's not. He's yeah. not going to attack your dog or anything. He's, he's going to drink your whiskey. That's all. It's like I've got a whole section of a bar at my house that's just for my neighbors. It's like. <laughs> Hey, bud. Oh, yeah. You want to borrow some whiskey? Come on in. <laughs> Who borrows whiskey? They only borrow it if they know you've got a lot of it. It's like, right? <laughs> well, Anthony, thank you so much for coming out tonight. Really great stuff. Thank Cheers. Wooden Bill Whiskey out of Washington. Great stuff. Good stuff. Right on. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. The Spirit Guide Society is a Spirit Adventures production in association with Bitten from the Apple Productions. Special thanks to Tone Mesa for their post-production and audio services. The show is produced by Andrew Apple and me, Pedro Shanahan. Executive producer, Andrew Abrahamson. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spirit Guide SOC. We'll be there to answer any questions you have, share what we're drinking, and more. And if you're still thirsty, you can always find more episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to always drink responsibly. That means don't drink to forget, drink to remember.